Sabbath. And that's Jewish tradition. Now, Charles Spurgeon's like, no way. The Bible scholars are like, no way. It talks about enemies. It talks about instruments. No way. However, when I was in my college classes, they talked about something called oral tradition. Now, oral tradition is when all, um, like, stories and stuff are passed down orally. And so um, I kind of wonder if the Jewish tradition is saying, maybe Adam said some of these things. All right, so put that in the back of your mind. Um, and um, I want you to see, I'm, I'm looking at dividing, not yet. <laughs> um, I'm looking at dividing this Psalm 92 into four parts. But the first part, um, it's really, um, I want us to think about something um, about Adam. Uh, Sometimes my imagination, this is why I was so good teaching fourth graders, because I could go into the world of imagination, no problem. And so I kind of sat there and I thought to myself, what do you mean, Adam? Adam, I never think about Adam very much at all. We think about everyone else, not Adam. And then the Sabbath, in the first Sabbath, and I thought, what happened on the first Sabbath? What was going on on the first Sabbath? And what did they talk about? What did God and Adam and Eve talk about? Thoughts? Anybody want to share? What do you think God and Adam and Eve talked about on the first Sabbath? Because my dad would have slept on the first Sabbath, okay? I don't know about the rest of you. I was brought up. You sleep. Um, but God doesn't sleep, remember? So what did they talk about? Well, the beauty of creation. Okay? Anyone else want to? I like it, Tom. I like it. All right. Let's go. Um, I put, um, this is the manner of giving thanks and the reason for giving thanks. So can you turn to Psalm 92.1? Let's just look. Okay. Let's read that first, song, first verse again. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name on Most High. I kind of thought to myself, I wonder if Adam said that. I wonder if he kind of, you know, through the years, kind of talked about how good. And the reason I thought that is because um, I, I thought, well, what would they have talked about? Here's Adam. <laughs> Where am I? What is this? Where, you know, what is this all about? I, I can't imagine the amazing feeling of Adam and Eve looking around and seeing what? You and I just take it all in every day. This is like, and they're seeing it as an adult. It's not like a little kid. They're seeing it as an adult. And so I kind of imagine this. This is how I thought of it, Tom. So I'm kind of going with you there. Okay, so um, uh, yeah, the next slide I think I do, I share about creation. All right, the days of creation. Um, so God says to Adam, yeah, I know, look at all this. Isn't this pretty cool? Yeah. You know what? On the first day, I created day and night. And I'm like looking at it all, and I said, this is good. I saw it is good. And the second day, I separated the earth from the heaven. Now, if you look in the Bible, it does not say that God said, I saw it was good. He doesn't say that on the second day. Uh, the theory out there is, um, of theologians, is they think, well, maybe it's because 
he didn't create anything. He just took what was already created and separated it, okay? Could be. We'll ask God when we get up to heaven, okay? But for now, we'll just say, okay, all right? Day three, Adam, I made the dry ground and plants, and I saw it was good. Adam, I made the sun, moon, and stars, and I saw it was good. Adam, I made the bird and sea and creatures, and I saw it was good. Adam, I made land animals, humans, and I saw everything, and I said, it was very good. Adam must have sat there and heard one word. One word, Jesse. Good. And so can you go back to that verse, uh, Psalm 92.1? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Adam's like, how can it not be? Everything around me is good. This is good. And so, um, it, you know, it's like, He's like looking at everything and saying, wow. I looked up, what are the benefits, though? Well, let's back up. Let's back up. Let's look at something. It's called, um, in poetry, you've got your first line and then the second line. So it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Do you see that? Unfortunately, the second line is broken into two parts. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. That's the second line. And it is saying the same thing as the first line. We call that Hebrew parallelism. And what the um, author did, and really, when you read these, anything, this is what I would always tell my students. It's you, the author of the book, and the character sitting down having coffee. Okay? So let's have coffee. What is the author saying to you? He's saying the same thing, but it's parallelism. The same thing he said in the second verse is what he was saying in the first verse. Do you know when we sing praises, when we worship, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. We're, we're giving thanks to the Lord when we sing and worship. This morning, I just kept thinking on that. The whole time, God, we're just giving thanks to you. We're giving thanks. So why is it good? I'm going to back up even more. What's a benefit to giving thanks to the Lord? It's good. It says, the author says, it's good for you to give thanks. So why is it good? I looked this up, and this woman had 12 reasons. I'm going to give you six. It said that gratitude opens our spiritual eyes. Giving thanks to God helps us sense his presence. It gives us supernatural peace, helps us to be content. It draws us closer to God. It's the path to joy, and it helps us believe um, that the, that us not to believe the lies of the enemy. So these are why it's good. But then, um, um, why do we? What, what? I, I sat down and I said, God, well, you know that's really good. But God, he always takes a couple days when he answers my prayers. I don't know about you. Some people, it just seems like, bam, right away they get their prayer answered. And I'll ask him questions all the time. All the time. I, one time I said to God, did I just see you roll your eyes? Okay, so, you know, it is just like constant with him and me. And I, I said, okay, so why is it, um, should I be thankful? What is it about you that makes me want to be thankful? And he says, okay. And I've been reading the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 103. I don't, yeah. Verses 3 through 9. It's such a great psalm. I love it. I am in love with the psalms. Okay, they are just so, so spot on. But Psalm 103, if you're starting to feel like, what the deal? What's going on with my life, with the world, everything? Turn to Psalm 103. Verse 3. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things. So, by the way, that word good, do you know that's in the Bible over 800 times, the word good? Um, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, so forth and so forth. I can keep reading and reading. It's all what makes God good. God is good. So let's go back to verse 1 again, um, Marvin. It is good. Why? Because he did this, 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 this. He is good. To sing praises, it gives me also, gets me closer to him. When I am thanking God, when I'm singing praises, it's making my spiritual eyes open. It's so good. It's so good. It's like Adam. We have to get to that point of thinking like Adam. Wow. This is so good. All right, so then let's read verse 2. It says, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. All right, so there's this thing out there. It's called, let's see if I can pronounce it, neuroplasticity. I did it. Okay, so it's the brain's ability to reorganize, restructure at a cellular level. So in other words, like, <laughs> I get overwhelmed or something, and the brain's like, ah, 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 and it needs a new neural pathway, okay? And I get new, new neural pathways by doing um, new things um, and changes in my life. I have to have these neural pathways every day. Um, in school, you're constantly learning, constantly learning, so a new neural pathway is always being made. But what happens is as we get older, we don't take the time to get new neural pathways. We don't do things. That's why they say do puzzles, do, do um, different ways to get back and forth someplace, but change up so you can build a new neural pathway. Well, there's also um, scientists actually have caught up with scripture. <laughs> I love this. Um, they've discovered something interesting, too, about those neural pathways. When we, what we think on, first thing in the morning, being positive, and what we end the day on is positive, it creates new neural pathways, and it's really very, very good. Well, the psalmist said to do that. Declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. So in the morning, first thing in the morning, you get up, watch. all know that, and um, uh, I hope you don't feel like I'm condemning you because I'm right there with you, okay? So um, I have made this so my practice. First thing in the morning, I wake up, 
and I say, you love me. You love me? You love me? You, you have such a loving kindness to me. You love me every morning. This is good for your neural pathway, okay? Let me put it like that. It is good for you. Oh, did I just use that word good again? It's good. I'm busy, busy, busy all day and stuff. I remember saying to God quite a few times, walking out of the school building, man, I don't think I thought about you once today. Okay? I mean, I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now. And um, God's like, I thought about you. I thought about you. So, and it was a practice I tried to make so much. Look and outside is what somebody said. Just look out the window. See its creation. But at the end of the day, okay, I'm going to confess. I'm not going to confess like I've confessed to Cindy and Teresa one time and <laughs> some other things. I won't do that, confess. But I love mysteries. I love mysteries. Meredith knows one of my favorite things is to watch NCIS. Okay, now I flip through it. Any things that are good, you know, you fast forward, fast forward. Um, but I just love them. So the last thing on my mind is <laughs> a mystery of somebody, you know, it's just not always a good thing. And I said to God, this has got to change. This has got to change. So I have been really trying to have it. So, um, and I still love mysteries. And I, I just, I think it's always great. Um, but before I go to bed, I have an app I listen to. It's called Lectio 365. Have you heard of it? Oh, this is the best. It's the best app out there. I, re I listen to it in the morning, but at night, um, six minutes. And it gets me thinking, and it gives me verses. And I have, as my last thought, thanks, God, for being faithful to me all day today. You know, he doesn't have to give us grace. He doesn't have to give us mercy. He doesn't have to do any of this. He does it because he loves us. It's not have to. It's because he loves us. Thanks, God, for being faithful. So give it a try. See what happens. Takes like 21 days, I think, for a new habit to start. But see what happens to your thoughts during the day. When you start off first thing in the morning and you end the last thing on him. All right. So, that took too long. All right, let's go. Okay, next one. Oh, <laughs> this is so funny. I had to quick put this in. On an instrument of 10 strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. Okay, so, yeah, we know all instruments. Did you know? 10-string instrument, you know, or harp. Or this, the Ethiopian people have special, special instruments. Here, here's our, we carried around every day. Watch. a 10-stringed instrument that we are praising God all day long. Yes! There goes one. You know, I'm moving. I'm doing another string. My heart's moving. Everything. I'm a 10-string instrument being used by God all the time. All right. So now, 
Next one, 92.4. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. So I said, Jesse, if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to sit and go through the whole, all my notes with me. So he zoomed with me. I said, I want to make sure I have covering. And so Jesse's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's good, all good. He sat and did it all. But I said, I have someone else I want to look this over. It's actually Melissa's grandfather. Did you know that my daughter dated Melissa's brother for four years in high school? That's why I know Melissa so well. And, um, <laughs> and her family is a very important family to me, and all the way to her grandparents, all right? So I spend time with her grandparents. I said, Roscoe, I'm going to do this, but I want you to look this over. He looked it all over, and then I came over, and he said, okay, I'm going to be Nikki, uh, uh, a little picky here with things. And he said, did you notice something, Sandy? He said, did you notice that the word work is singular, and then it's plural, works? And I said, oh, I did not really pay attention to that. And, um, you know, Jesus, I had such a great discussion with him, because then, like I said, my mind just goes, and I'm asking him a thousand questions about Jesus, because Jesus said, all those things my hand has made and all those things exist. Jesus he made creation, is what scripture says. We go to Colossians pretty soon. I'll go to Colossians um, 1.13, I think is what it is. But he made it. So his works is all his creation. That's what he's talking about. But then, Rasko said, the word work is like just the whole thing of all everything. And so I looked that up, and I studied that more, and I said, no, it's a little bit more. It's... Through, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work of salvation. That's what is being introduced to us. He is saving our sins. That work he did. And it's like, I'm glad. I'm glad he did that. Um, Colossians 1, 15 through 17, I'm going to back up um, just so that you know. The sun is the image of the invisible God. I don't think I put it on there, Marvin. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When we even think about this, uh, he died. He did all that. It's Jesus. Do you get this? It's Jesus. And I have to constantly remind myself, it is not about Sandy. It's not about Sandy. It is not about Sandy. It's all about Jesus. All right. So now, part two, God's actions. Um, uh, he has great thoughts. And, okay, part 2A, great thoughts of his. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand. And this is both Psalm 92, 5, and 6, and i got to get back there. All right. So um, 
it's really interesting because if you really think about it, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, I don't think I have that either. They, it says it too. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, so in my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. And I have struggled with that, that verse, Isaiah, and even here. Um, his thoughts are just too great for me. And I'm like, I don't know if I like what you're doing. He's so good. He lets me do it. Oh, he's so good. He lets me. He lets me say, I don't get it. I don't want it. And yet, I have to leave it. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Or his ways, my ways. But they're deep. They're deep. Um, now, look at that other part. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand. There's a man, a Bible teacher named James Montgomery Boyce. Um, he said in Psalm 85a, it says, You have made them a little lower than the angels. Okay? So by saying that, um, he's calling um, the, the heavenly beings rather than a little higher than the beast. So he's saying, in other words, he doesn't say we're higher than the beast. He says we're lower than the angels. And this indicates that it's man's calling to look up to God and we're to become like God. Did you know that's what's happening to us? <laughs> we are becoming like Jesus. That's what this is all about. We are. Okay. And it's a slow process, <laughs> and um, I am thankful he never gives up, okay? But then, um, um, in whose image he is made, but when man will not look up, the only other place he's going to look is down, like an animal. We're senseless. We're foolish if we don't look up, is what the um, author is saying. Okay, now. Psalm uh, 7 and 9, okay, God's actions. How does God judge his enemies? How does he deal with it? Um, let's turn, do one more slide. Yes. When the wicked spring up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Did you notice something? Remember, the author's trying to tell you something. Always talk. Always, always hear. Hear his voice. What do you notice? What are you noticing? Something the author did twice. What did he do? Two times. Oh, I hear it. For behold, your enemies. For behold, your enemies. Hey, we saw his work of his creation, but now I'm going to show you the work of what he's going to do to his enemies. Okay? He destroys them. Um, it's interesting. Um, I, this is one thing about God. He is so slow. And I will share with you, I get really ticked off if it doesn't get done. You need to take care of that group of people. They need a good whipping, okay? And just no more of that. Off with their heads. I have such a whoo side of me. And God, thankfully, I'm not in charge. And God's like, you know what? That's not how this is going to work. 
This is not going to work this way. And so the other day, I came across something. The late, great Dallas Willard was at, once asked, if he had just one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? And Willard paused and smiled and said, relaxed. Did you ever think of Jesus as relaxed? We think of him as the son of God, beautiful, great. Jesus is relaxed. And, you know, it was kind of interesting because um, someone else had said, too, that with just three years to usher in God's kingdom and save the planet, Jesus still found time to party, go fishing, and do a ministry. Okay, this means he was officially less busy than the average pastor. Jesus is not overwhelmed by the evil in our world. In fact, Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact rep representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, what did he do? He sat down, relaxed, at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's relaxed because you know why? It's finished. He tells me this all the time. Sandy, it's finished. I did it. It's all done. Now, will you trust me? Ooh, there's the big word. Will you trust me? It's finished. Oh, I can be relaxed. I really can. He is relaxed. He's just loving. He is just loving on us all the time. All right, part three. Experiencing God's blessings and deliverance. So we've seen how he, um, we, it's good to give thanks. We've seen how his actions are toward um, his enemies and toward, um, uh, oh, my mind just stopped right there. Um, his thoughts, his thoughts and toward judging his enemies. Now his blessings. Uh, the next one, 10 and 11. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. I love this because it's just right there with me, okay? <laughs> so I know my way of thinking is not off. This is how the psalmist felt, all right? And God's like, mm -hmm, you should not like evil. You should not like wickedness. It should bother you. Thomas Hartwell Horn said this regarding verse 11. It's intended to express an assurance of faith, a humble confidence in the promises of God that our efforts shall at length be crowned with victory over everything which resisted and opposed itself, and that the day is coming when we shall view all the enemies of our salvation dead at our feet. All right, part four. One more part. Now, God makes the um, righteous flourish. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. He's doing a comparison. Okay, so when your author compares you or someone to something else, you've got to see what he's doing. And he has compared humans to a palm tree. And a palm tree, so first you have to get to know, what does a palm tree do? What's, what makes it so important? A palm tree, whoops, wrong page. A palm tree will, um, has to be in the right environment, okay? It um, needs uh, plenty of support on its sides, and it needs to be pruned. 
and it also needs to be flexible, bends around and resilient during those harsh conditions of heavy storms. So how does that relate to us? Remember, what's the author trying to tell us here? Well, as first off, and I love it, um, Melissa's grandma said to me, Sandy, make sure you say, though, before anything, you can't flourish unless you have a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit has to be in your life. And I'm like, oh, you're right. We need this one-on-one -on -one relationship with our creator, his Holy Spirit. Um, so then after that, first we need, just like a palm tree needs to be in the right environment, we need to be in an environment, a church environment. We need this. We need to be um, saying this is where I am planted. This is my home. Then we need the support of other believers who will encourage us to pray, read our Bible, or apply what we learn every day. I need you. You need me. Okay? You need to remind me. I, I was with Bev not too, a couple weeks ago, and I so loved it. We went out for lunch, had a great time and stuff, and I just walked away, and I said to God, I needed her. I needed Bev at that moment. Okay? And Bev, did you need me? I thank you. That was the right thing to say, Bev. Okay. <laughs> All right. We need each other. All right. Third, God will prune. Just like the tree needs to be pruned, we need to be pruned. Okay. I need to get rid of some junk constantly. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Unless, uh, like a palm tree, it needs to be resilient. We need to understand that we can get through some of this junk we're going through. And I have said to God so often, but it's so hard. And he has said, stand, be steadfast. I'm right next to you. In fact, he doesn't even say to me, you'll get through it. No, just lean on me. Look at me, Sandy, when the wind is gusty, when it's just so, so difficult. Look at me, Sandy. All right, so then, verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in an old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Notice I made the word still really big because that's something we should always have been doing, bearing fruit. This is something, when I was five years old, <clears throat> I was blessed. The neighbor lady had a Bible school, vacation Bible school, and I went to her house, and I, she said, do you want Jesus into your heart? And I said, yes. She took me into one of the bedrooms. Boy, that would not take place anymore now, would it? <laughs> I sat on my knees against the bed, and I asked Jesus into my heart at the age of five. I'm 63 next month. I've had a lot of years with Jesus. I have been blessed. I hope there's fruit. I hope I've had fruit, and fruit that will still, I'll still be bearing fruit in my older age. <clears throat> Notice I didn't say I'm old now, but. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so why don't we bear fruit? Why are we not bearing fruit? This is where it's going to get a little ugly. Could be because we just are stuck. They call it now uh, stage, what is this thing, new thing they're referring to? Always new vocabulary. Um, <clears throat> It's called um, stage journey, the stage journey in our Christian walk. Have you heard that one? Okay, so um, <clears throat> we get stuck because we aren't forgiving people. We don't want to forgive. 
They have hurt us so bad, so fruit can't take place in our life. We're not flourishing because we won't forgive. We get stuck. Another reason, and there's a variety of reasons, but this one I heard recently too. We're in slavery to an attachment of an ego ideal. We are in slavery to an attachment of an ego ideal. So um, Melissa's grandma said, explain ego ideal. And I said, well, I kind of like things my way. It's ideal if it works out that way. That's my ego, my pride, taking over, wanting it all to be ideal. You know my life. It's just not ideal right now. This is not what I wanted, okay? And so what happens is when we don't get our ego ideal, we manipulate. We control so that it turns out the way you want it. And the reason I know that so well is I did that in my marriage, in my parenting, in my career. I, I, I could feel it, too. I would step in. I would, it's got to turn out like this. This is how it's got to look. My kid's got to act like this. This is, this is where we should be. This is my ego ideal. And God's like, back up, back up, back up. Okay, forgive me, Father, forgive me. I know I'm controlling. I know I'm doing it. And then I creep back in. Do it again. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, Father. And God said, okay, then let's just kind of deal with this. Okay? And he keeps dealing with it. Remember the pruning. God does not like my ego at all. And he doesn't like it when I have to have it a certain way all the time. He's working on me. He's working on you. Remember, we're to be like Jesus. And Jesus was like, your will, Father. Your will. I just had something happen the other day. And I said to God, I pray to you. I asked for this not to happen, and it happened. I asked. And then I remember that first part of the verse. But he's, he's got, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. I need to be focusing on what I can be thankful for, not what the genie in the lamp didn't do for me. Okay? And it just gets kind of wacky when we go there. He's done so much. And sometimes he says no. And I said, you know what, God? You said no for a reason. This time I'm going to trust you, and I'm not even going to argue with you on this one. Okay? Um, So... Uh, John Mark Comer said it best. Um, I, I have been listening to John Mark Comer. He's another one. Pretty good. I, I have enjoyed it. The goal is when we can come to the place where we can calmly hold reality in our mind and we're at peace and full of love. It's when we come to the reality that God alone is sufficient. That's who's sufficient. Whew. All right, last verse. Let's do it. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, your teachers through the years would say this to you. All right, got a great introduction. The body's awesome. Let's work on that conclusion. Remember your conclusion? It needs to say the introduction in different words. 
can you just write, I would say to my students, all right, now <clears throat> write the um, conclusion and look at your introduction and do it in some different words, different language. And the kids would look at me, how? And I'd be like, well, just, you know, take the end of the words and, and then say them in a different way. Can't do it. And they could not do it. It's hard. It's not an easy thing. I'd give this author an A+. Plus. <clears throat> he did a good job. Okay? Look at that last part. And there is no unrighteousness in him. What does that mean? Ooh! If there's no unrighteousness in him, Lori got it. He's good. Let's go back to the beginning. There's Marvin. He's going with me. It is good to give thanks to the Lord because he is good. There's no unrighteousness. There's no evil. There's no evil. There's no evil in God. He's good. This whole thing is reminding us he's good. He's a good God, and we can trust him. We don't have to worry. He's relaxed. He is there for us. And he is good. Okay? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me? Yeah? Oh, he said, it's good if I pray. Okay. <laughs> Father, um, man, let us look at Psalm 92 in a different way. In the way that you wanted the author, because you you inspired the author. You talked to the author. And most likely it was David. But whoever it was, God, I get why they read this verse every Sabbath. It is good for us to give thanks. It is good that you're going to take care of everything and that you are in control. Thank you, God. In your name, amen. Thank, thank her for bringing that to